The military is making a new push for modular open systems, and it's coming from the very top. The secretaries of all three military services have signed a joint memo telling their acquisition officials to align their programs around a common set of standards for information sharing. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu has details. The directive builds off of open systems work that's been underway within each of the military services for the past several years. The secretaries of the Army, Navy, and Air Force say they've reviewed several of those efforts, including standard sets like the future airborne capabilities environment and the sensor open systems architecture, and decided that not only do they need to continue to be implemented, military services need to develop more open architecture standards in areas where there are none so far. Heather Wilson is the secretary of the Air Force. We call it an open mission systems architecture, so so that uh, that uh, Everybody has standards for communications, and everybody knows who's, uh, who, what the other standards are. So in other words, you can have a Verizon phone, and you can have a, an iPhone, but you can talk to each other right. because there is a standard for interoperability. If, if we're going to multi-domain operations, which, which the, is also part of the, the Air Force approach to this, we need to be able to have any sensor connect any shooter in very, at very rapid machine-to-machine -machine speed. So, so the ability to communicate um, and know what those standards are and that all of our equipment will be done that way in all three services. That's a very big deal. The memo gives several specific directives to the acquisition community in each service. First, each of the service acquisition executives are expected to drop detailed implementation guidance to formalize the embrace of open systems architectures. The SAEs will also need to start to fill in the gaps for technology areas where the military hasn't yet identified standards. And going forward, they're being told to adopt modular open systems architectures in the requirements and development stages of all new programs to the maximum extent practicable. Wilson says the services see the open systems approach as critical to their continued emphasis on the concept of multi-domain operations. So let me give you an example. The United States Air Force offer, operates 80 satellites. Uh, some of them provide communications. Uh, some of them, uh, some of them do tactical, do missile warning. So, so uh, an Air Force satellite detects and locates uh, operations on the ground. That information is uh, can be sent. Um, directly to uh, to forces in the field, so that a that a navy ship or a or an army battalion can redirect fires and and uh, and destroy things. So so any sensor, any shooter, that's where we that's where we want to get to. So it is linking up in near real time, space, air, manned, unmanned, ground and sea, so that uh, that when we detect a problem. Everybody knows about it, and everybody uh, and the uh, the fires are directed to be able to overwhelm an enemy before they even know what's going on. And in exercises, the military services have already seen examples of that sort of integrated war fighting, according to Army Secretary Mark Esper. Last year, the multi-domain task force that the Army has stood up out in the Pacific conducted an exercise. In that exercise, an Apache helicopter from the cockpit guided a drone for to, co to locate in the distance a Navy target ship. Uh, that drone, through the Apache, relayed targeting data back to a ground-based uh, Army rocket system, and I think a Navy ship as well, to engage it. To me, that's multi-domain operations, or at least a good example of it. In conjunction with the push for open systems, the service secretaries say they're also trying to inject more speed into the acquisition system. Wilson says the hope is that will come about via a combination of recently adopted reforms to acquisition law and a gradual change in culture within the Pentagon. I think the Congress recognized and, uh, that, that speed matters. Uh, we've got a rapidly innovating adversary, and we have to pick up the pace of innovation. 
That means that we have to, to set up an acquisition system that we govern and oversee, but where we have empowered program managers who spend more time managing their programs than they spend managing the Pentagon. Where lines of accountability and authority are very clear, and they get the support that they need from headquarters to do the job we're asking them to do. I think there is still remnants of the large bureaucracy within, yes. which we, uh, within which we work who think that their job is to still check the checkers. And we are constantly trying to um, discourage them from doing that and, and shift their professional lives to things that add value. Over the last several years, especially in the 2016 and 2017 National Defense Authorization Acts, Congress enacted hundreds of changes to the DOD acquisition system. Some of the largest were an expansion of DOD's authority to use other transaction agreements and a new middle tier of acquisition that lets the services bypass many of the acquisition system's usual requirements if they're able to prototype or field a new system within five years. Richard Spencer, the Secretary of the Navy, says each service is still piecing through the best ways to employ those new authorities. It's one of those times where uh, I think we can say we have everything we need that we think we need right now. Let us digest and actually affect those authorities that you've given us, which some of them are, are, are terrific. They really are. It, it allows us to really speed up and be quick and agile on our acquisition and, and time to front line. Um, uh, I also underscore what, what Mark said, which was now inside the building, we have to met out uh, how we're going to use these authorities and who's involved with these authorities. Esper says the Army is in a rush to modernize because, in large part, it's still working with systems that were developed in the 1980s and could be outmatched in a great power conflict involving systems from China or Russia. But he and the other secretaries say one of the biggest determinants of how quickly they'll be able to do that will be whether or not Congress can continue to pass on-time budgets. Last year was the first year we had a timely budget, and it meant I could fill all my training seats. It meant that I can conduct all my training on time. That was critical to us, making sure we can improve our BCT readiness. So all those things are critical. And again, obviously for me, there, there will be big shifts on our budget, big shifts to help us fund training and certainly on the equipping side. And I'll just, it's worth repeating, if, if I'm not able to make that shift from the legacy to the future, we risk losing the, the first fight of the next war. Jared Serbu, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Check out Jared's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. <laughs> 